You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to get started. Okay. Uh, we're going to learn today's daf. It's a very interesting daf. Uh, it's, uh, we're going to start on Tesvavah Medalev, 15. Tesvavah Medalev. So here we go. Uh, I sent out the pages yesterday. I sent them out to you. Um, I'll send them out now again. Hang on. Okay, if you don't have it, I'm going to send it to you now, Effie. Um, it should have been with the it should have been with the invitation. So let me forward you again. Effie F Here you go. Here you go, Effie. Okay. All right, let's get started. Gufa. Amarav Huna. I'm sorry, Amarav Yud Amar Shmuel. Yud Ches Gozru Yud Ches Nechluku. There was 18 issues that they ended up making the Gzeir about. But Rashi explains the next line, Ubi Yud Ches Nechluku, all of those 18 they had argued about before. The other Rishonim learned differently. The Rashi learns that the 18 that they were able to accomplish to get the great minds of the Jewish people to agree on to make the Takanaut, they had argued about each one of those before. But they made the Gzairah. But there's another Bryce that says there wasn't any fights about it. Republicans and Democrats, Shammai and Hillel people got together. They decided we have to make these Takanaut. What are you telling me they argued about it? So the Gemara says, you know, <laughs> there was argument and then there was agreement. Bo bayom nechluku. The day, one day, they were there was one day beforehand they were fighting about it. Or even the day, in fact, the day that Shammai, there were more Shammai people than Hillel, they outvoted them. So basically what happened was, the way Rashi explained this, 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 this little piece here, is that they argued. It happened to be, remember, they came to visit Hananiah uh, ben Chizkiah ben Goron. There were more Shammai people than Hillel people. Each one of them was a vote. So normally there were more Hillel people than Shammai people. But because there were more Shammai people than Hillel people, they won with a contested majority. That's what it means. I, why does the other Bryce say they all agreed? Amora says, The next day, even the Hillel people said, you know what, we lost. Now we understand why Shammai was right. That's the way things happen. They didn't keep up their uh, opposition. That's the way Rashi learns this. So other people learn differently. But this is other Rishonim learn differently. But this is the way Rashi learns. And it's an interesting lesson about the way things work today as well. There's going to be issues. There's going to be majority votes. And maybe sometimes it's important for the minority after they lose to accept what the majority says and applaud what they did. And that's what happened over here in the 18 Gzeirot. Gufa Maravuna Begimel Makamos Nechlaku Shamai Vehilel. Three places, the old men themselves, the men that started the school, Shammai and Hillel themselves argued. Let's see what they were. The first one was Shammai Omer Mikav Chala, the Hillel Omer Mikabayim. Now, this has to do with the Shir Chala. How much you take Chala from an Isa? It's just like Truma. You have to be Mafresh Chala. And if you're not, not Mafresh Chala, the Isa is not considered Kasher. You can't eat the bread. So how much are you mechuyav? How much bread do you make? How big is the isa before you bake it? Or how much after, even after you bake it? How much raw dough are you mechuyav to take chala from? So this is the machlokas. Now, what is it based on? Uh, without getting into too much detail, Rashi gives us all the details here, but I'm not going to read the Rashi's inside. I'm going to explain it to you outside. Rashi says that it's based on the din of reishet arisotechem, and who was got Moshe speaking to? To the Bnei Yisrael in the Midbar. And the, they used to get every day uh, an Omer of Mon. What is the Omer? The Torah tells us the Omer is a tenth of an Epha. So a tenth of an Epha, approximately, we know that 18 uh, Kabim equals an Epha. So 18 Kabim is an Epha. So one Kav is about a ninth, but it would be a tenth if you added the Isaron to it. So that's where you get a kav. You get a kav because uh, a kav is basically the amount. Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, two kavim is the amount of a, a ninth of an eifa. 
Okay, so that's why you have the shita of Hillel, that you need two kab. Whereas Shammai says even one kab is chayiv and chawa. And the reason is, is because Shammai says they used to make two meals out of what they got from the mon. They used to make two meals, one in the morning, one in the evening. And each one they would have to take chawa from, possibly. But when we eat every single day, and when we eat bread every day, it's like we're eating, we have to remember the mon. And therefore, the same way Klal Yisrael ate the mon in the Midbar, Metanot from Hashem, every time we take chawa, it's a similar idea. We're taking out something from the great gift that God is giving us. But how much is the shear? The same shear that Klal Yisrael had when the mon fell down. So that's the question. Both Shammai and Hillel agree that it was the amount that fell was two kav. The only question is, did they take challah from each portion? Did they take challah from the morning and the evening meal? Hillel says they only take challah once a day. Shammai said they took challah twice a day. So the, the difference is, according to, Shammai, according to Shammai, even if you have a small amount of dough that you're making, you have to take off challah the same way they took off challah in the Midbar. Or they would have had it been normal bread. That's the Machloka Shammai and Hillel. Um, let's take a look here. It looks like we're, it says here that the uh, connection is slow. I'm going to ignore that. Everybody can hear me okay? Good. Let's move on. Um, sometimes you cut a little bit. It sometimes cuts out. Okay, maybe there's something wrong up here in the attic where I am. It's not a kav and it's not kabayim. Now, the reason is, is because, and then Rashi explains this, it's somewhat complicated. Rashi says it has to do with the fact that the Chachamim were talking to the Bnei Yisrael after the time of the Midbar. They said after the time of the Midbar, when they came to Yerushalayim and the, and the Jewish people reorganized themselves, they, they came, it was the basic same Midot of Kav, Eifa, uh, Lug, but they expanded the Midot, they increased them by a sixth. All the Midot were increased. Every single meat that became more than it was before. In other words, it was considered, they added to the amount of what's considered a kav and what's considered uh, an eifa. So because of that, the Chachamim said in modern terms, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be a kav, uh, a two kavim. It would even just be a kav and a half. In the modern terms, a kav and a half would be enough. Let's read that inside. And then, once again, they actually added to it. Where was that? In Sipori. In Sipori, of course, the first time they expanded the Midos were in the time of David HaMelech, or when they established the Malchus in Yerushalayim. Then, after the Churban, they decided to once again expand the different Midos to make them bigger again. And that's why we have this another sheet coming up here. Now, what do I mean? <laughs> a kav is a quarter of a lug. Okay. Um, so, I'm sorry. No, a lug is a quarter of a kav. A kav, you can have four kavim. Uh, take a look at my thing. Yeah. yeah right. So you have four kavim equals a, let's see. Three, one second, three kavim to a saw, that's what it is. Okay. So what it turned out now was, it was kav chameshas revoyim kemach, meaning four kav plus a fi- plus another fourth. Four kavim plus another fourth. Chameshas revoyim kemach. It became even less chayav machawa. Rabbi Yosiyomar, hey pturin, five fourths, that's one kav plus another fourth, five-fourths, that would still be potter. You still don't have enough. You need a little bit more chayovin. Why? Because Rabbi Yossi says, every debatesim, he said, in the time of the Midbar, were larger than they are today. And therefore, Rabbi Yossi says, every single shear we should add a little bit to. So Rabbi Yossi is one of the opinions that people rely on when they talk about how the shiurim have changed from the time of the Torah to the time of today. So Rabbi Yossi says our shiurim are a little bit, we have to compensate. So Rabbi Yossi says a little bit more for every beitza, because it's 43 beitzim about, 43 beitzim or chayv and chava, 43 beitzim approximately. So you'd have to add about a 20th of an egg to each beitza. 
So you've added 20th of an egg to each 43. Each egg, you add another 20th of an egg. You're going to get a couple more eggs worth. And according to him, you'd have to add a little bit more, according to Rabbi Yossi, to Yochayev and Chava. So that was one Machlok Shammai and Hillel had, the two old men. Here's the other one. V'idach. Hillel Oymer Molehin Mayim Shuvim Paislam Esamikva. Shachayv Adam Lomer Beloshin Rabo. Shamayomar Tisha Kabin. Now, a hin is uh, 12 lug. A hin is 12 lugim. And a kav, uh, nine kavim, is uh, four lugim to a kav. That's what I said before. So nine kavim is 36. So Shammai has, Shammai is a mako here. Shammai says three times the amount of mayim shuvim, you can get three, you can get up to 36 lug of Mayim Shuvim till the mikveh is possible. Now, what do we mean the mikveh being possible? We know that 40 saw of Mayim Shuvim is a kosher mikveh. I'm sorry, of Mayim Gishamim are a kosher mikveh. Mayim Shuvim is a puzzle mikveh. But let's say you already have, you're filling up your mikveh, and you're trying to put in 40 saw of rainwater. And then uh, what gets mixed in is some Mayim Shuvim as you're filling it up, and then later you fill in the rest with rainwater. So the question is, is your mikvah a problem? Once your mikvah is completely filled, let me explain it better. Once your mikvah is completely filled with 40 saw of rainwater, nothing, it's basically okay. <laughs> if other stuff comes in, we say there's hashaka and it, and it actually kashas it. You throw in other water, other bath water, it's not going to make it bad. But if the mikveh has not yet been filled up with 40, there the Rabbanan were worried. Because then they're going to say, you didn't fill it up with 40 yet, and you filled it up with some other uh, material water that was drawn from the bathtub or from the pipes or something else. Then even though you added more water, the mikveh is going to be possible. So how much, when, you, when you're filling it up, ruins the mikveh, and you're going to have to refill the mikveh again? So that was the question. So let's see the, the Machlokas. Shammai says, um, uh, I'm sorry, we start with Hillel. Hillel hin mayim shuvim A hin. A hin was considered uh, 12 lug. Why did they say the word hin? Because that's the way they heard it from their Rebbe. Their Rebbe, <laughs> Hillel's Rebbe was Shmayav Avtalion, the two Gerei Tzedek who led the Sanhedrin. And that's the way they used to say it over him. Now, the Mepharshim explain, because a hin is the largest liquid measure that we have written in the Torah, is a hin, the one we know about. So it's bigger than a revius. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, a revius is a quarter of a hin. So this is a hin itself. A hin is 12 lug. So that is the amount of, of, uh, that ruins a mikvah if so much, uh, non rainwater gets in. Shammai has a larger shear. Shammai is more makal in this case. Tisha Kabin. Why? Because Tisha Kabin, we know, can work for a Balkari. A Balkari who's not well enough to get to the mikvah. We know Ezra Hasofer made a takana. You can throw Tisha Kabin on him and that would be enough. That's where Shammai says, this is what I think would be this year. It's all Rabbanan. This is all Minatorah. Let me explain better. It's Bato. Minatorah, you put more rainwater in anyway, the mikvah would be kosher. The question is, since while you were filling it, you filled up with this other stuff, do we pass on the mikvah or not? So it's a machlokas. There's definitely a psul in the mikvah. The question is what the amount was. Shama, Hilo has a smaller amount. Shammai has a little bit of a bigger amount. Let's see the next shita. Once we're talking about it. Um, uh, neither are right. They knew somehow that even the old, the greatest chachamim in the world, Shammai and Hillel, Neither of them were correct. They refused to accept. Ad. Shebo'u. Beis gardiyim. Mishara ashpa shebirushalayim. Veheidu mishum shmaya beavtalyon. These were two men. They weren't known as great Tamir HaChachamim. They had jobs. They were guardian. They used to weave the stuff. They used to sit in the weaver's place, like uh, like in the sweater factories. They would sit there and help and weave. They didn't have high-paying jobs. But they had heard Shmaya and Aftalion talk about it. The one day that they went into the base medrash and they remembered, and there were two of them. So even though they outranked Hillel, <laughs> these two men who weren't known as great Tamir they came and said, 
we remember hearing from Shmayev Avtalion, not like Hillel said, that it was not a 12. It was, it was what? Shishvelosha. Question to it up. Yes. Yes. How yes, come Moshe? they don't, they didn't believe, uh, Hillel when he said that the, his, the, his Rabbanim was Shmayev Avtalion. <laughs> and they believe this guy. You know what? It's a very, very good question. Um, I I think what happened was Hillel must have been a little bit in doubt. He said, I remember Shemayim Avtalion said this this amount. Then they asked him, are you sure this amount, this small amount ruins the mikvah? He said, I remember them saying this hint. So it could be Hillel himself wasn't so definitive. And it could be there were people in the Chacham and Moshe who just didn't buy it. Um, look at Rashi. We'll do the Rashi inside because it's a nice Rashi. I, I wasn't going to do it, but let's do the Rashi inside. Rashi says, "Shnei Gardim b'Mesechtes Edios Mefarish Lo Mahusker Sheim Umnosam b'Sheim Makom Amlomar Shelo Yimana Adam Atzma Beis Hamedrish Sheim Lo Chaumnis Pchuta Migardi Sheim Amidim Men Lo Kohen Gadav Lo Melech Ve'Ein Sharb Yerushalayim Pochus Mishara Ashpos." So it turned out that a person should always come to the base medrash, no matter where he's from, because their job was considered one of the least important jobs, and even the place where they did their job was considered a disrespectable place. But when they they knew what they had heard, and I think when they came to the base medrash, they were more sure about themselves, Moshe, than Hillel had been. Now, Hilo said, you know, they came and gave aid, and there were two of them. So, <laughs> two against one. So you see the incredible chashivut of learning Torah, no matter what. <laughs> Even if it's on a Saturday night for a couple of 45 minutes, you never know what you're going to get here for the future generations. No one's ever going to be made what a Kibbelevich said. But maybe you will. You never know. You might tell your grandparents, your grandchildren, what you heard once. Okay? So that's really the point. The point is you never know what you're going to hear and how important it's going to be, what you heard. And everybody's got a voice. Everyone has a voice. And, the, and those two had one. And because of that, it turned out, of course, Lechumra, that was even less. Let's take a look and see what what it is. It's a very small amount. Let's see what it is. Even three, Lug, a very small amount, apostles the mikveh. And that's number two. Here's the third machloka Shama and Hillel, the two old men. Okay, so those of us who did Mesechtas needed together, I don't see Avrami here tonight, but those of us that have done Mesechtas needed together, it's a Moshe, of course, and I did it, and uh, Tzion was there also, I think, for good, for some of it, an amount of it, but just to explain what this means. At the time of the Mishnah, and even later, past the time of the Mishnah, uh, men and women ate things that were tahor. They tried to eat either, either they were eating truma, or they were eating things of chul and altiris hakodesh. Either they were trying to eat things with tahara, like it was truma, and kachim, or they were eating truma and kachim itself. And this was very, uh, nispash at the meaning among the Jewish people. We saw a statement like that earlier. Kama parts of tahara be Israel. Everybody was makbed on tumen tahara. And now a woman can become a nida every month, sometimes more than once a month. And because of that, women took on a minag to check themselves all the time, to check themselves daily, uh, sometimes twice a day. But definitely in the morning, they would check themselves after they went to sleep to see had they been uh, a nida once in the morning, once towards the evening. And this way they would know if they had made tame the food that they were constantly preparing. Women were the ones that were involved in food preparation. If they were nidot, then they would, the food would now be considered tame and then people would need it. So now the question is, uh, if a woman, uh, checks herself. So Shammai says, if the woman didn't check herself, even though that was the custom to do that, we don't get mad at her. She checked herself. We say, okay, you're tame from this moment on. We don't work backwards at all. We don't say, hey, when was the last time you checked yourself? From this moment on, we say, you have now, this shows you that don't touch any truma at this point. She goes and she acts like a nida. That's according to Shammai. Hilo says, Mi pkida pkida. Hilo says, 
Oh, you check it yourself? When was the last time you checked yourself? Two days ago? Okay. It could be from two days ago, at, right after you checked yourself, you started to bleed. Because Hillel says it could be the, the Dom was in the Beit Arechem the whole time. And she didn't necessarily check herself. She didn't know what was going on. And the, the, the outer chamber, so to speak, of the woman's body can hold the blood. It can hold the blood for a while. And therefore, it could be misafek. It's not minaraisa. We're not going to burn the truma. But misafek, we're going to put away all that truma for the last couple of days. From the last time she checked herself. So Hillel, again, is the machmir. Hillel himself was the machmir. Let's take a look. What do the Chachamim say? The Chachamim say the most it's ever going to go back is 24 hours. This whole thing is the Rabbonon. It's only a Chumrah. The Kosle Beis Arechem basically only hold the blood for 24 hours. They don't hold it for more than 24 hours anyway. Usually not. So therefore, she probably would have noticed that it was more than 24 hours. So the Moshe's are going to be Tame backwards is, is a day, 24 hours. However, if she checked herself within 24 hours, it goes back to the last time she checked herself. So the, so the Chachamim are in the middle between Shammai and Hillel. Shammai is the big Mako in this, in this situation. So these are the three cases where the old men themselves, the old Zikanim themselves, argued. The Mar says, okay, those are very interesting. The Mar says, Vesuleka. Is that the only three cases? That's what that's what we had the Mesorah. Three cases, Shammai and Hillel argued. We know there's another case from the Mishnah Chagiga. Ba'ika Hillel Omer Lismoch. Shammai Omer Shilol Lismoch. Now this doesn't mean, this is to do smicha on a korban. Korbanot were chayiv in smicha when it was a korban yochid that an individual was bringing. The korban tzibri, you couldn't have everybody in the tzibri give smicha. It's only individuals who put their hands on the korban. Now smicha, you have to put your hands with all your strength. You're supposed to put your hands on the animal and be mitzvahel, be mitzvahdeh, and realize what this animal means, what the purpose of the carbon is, what your connection is, how the animal might represent you. Okay. But you're putting all your strength onto the animal. There's a takana. You're not supposed to use animals on Shabbat. You're not supposed to ride horses. You're not supposed to put your hands on them. You're not supposed to make use. You're not supposed to pack animals. So technically, what would happen is, is that... Um, um, uh, putting your hands on the animal seemed to be an isur of mishtamesh bibalchai. The Chazal had made exera for everyone, not just for, remember, this was for Yisraelim, not just Kohanim. Normally, Kohanim, we say Zerizameim. We don't make Azharot in the Beis HaMikdash for Kohanim. Like there's Dinim of Muktz and things that don't apply in the Beis HaMikdash. But when it comes to not being mishtamish bebalchai, that's a takana for everybody. That's a takana for Yisraelim, for everybody. And therefore, it includes people going to the Beit HaMikdash. That's, that was the, the question. Should it include people going to the Beit HaMikdash? Shammai said yes. So Shammai said that you don't do smicha on Shabbat on a korban. Now, what would you, where would an individual be, be, be doing smicha on Shabbat? The answer is he would not be doing smicha on Shabbat. But on a Yom Tov, he might be doing it. Because on a Yom Tov, you bring a korban chagiga. Every, every Yom Tov, they would bring a korban of simcha called a korban chagiga. Chagosim of Hashem shivat yamim. That means every individual would bring a korban of simchas Yom Tov, a korban of, 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 of a chagiga. It was, uh, it, was, it was like a shlomim. And you'd have to do smicha on it. And you bring that even on Yom Tov itself. This is not a, a carbon that you donated. It's not a carbon that you pledged. It's a carbon you're chayef to bring every yomtif, a carbon chagiga. So that was the question. Do you do smicha on that carbon? Now, I have to tell you, many people weren't able to get their carbon in because there were so many people at the Beit HaMikdash during the Shoah Shregolim, you might not have been able to get your carbon in and you might have had to wait. But you're mechuyiv to try. You're mechuyiv to try to bring your carbon. And there were individuals who had their individual carbonote. There was a carbon musaf that had to be done. Of course, the carbon tummy in the morning, the afternoon. It was a very busy time, especially on Sukkot with all the parayachag. But every month there was a, a, a whole bunch of carbonote. And they, some lucky individuals were able to get their carbon slaughtered on yomtov. Question is, it's your private carbon. You're lucky enough to get uh, this carbon in. Do you do smicha on that carbon or not? So if we take a look once again. So uh, Shammai's, uh, Hillel says, Lismoch. Hillel said, do smicha. 
even though you're not supposed to mishtamash bebalchai, but over here, we're not going to be gozer, you're going to do shechita, it, it doesn't apply here in the Beit HaMikdash, it's not going to apply to you, uh, take up with smicha shechita, this gozer doesn't apply, okay. Shamai hamashalolismoch. Shamai said, no, you don't do smicha, the carbon's kosher without smicha, don't even try, don't even put your hand on it, nothing. So we see Shammai and Hillel argued about that too. So the Gemara says, Ki kama Ravuna, where did Ravuna say there was only three? That's Hecha, Deleka, Plukta, the Bahadayu. That's where they aren't part of a long line of argumenters. <laughs> if you take a look in Pirkei Avot, you'll see the list of the, the, the Avot Beddin, Yossi ben Yuezer, Yossi ben Yochanan, Nitar Boy, Rabbi Shua ben Prachia, You'll see a list of, 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 of the beginning of Pirkei Avot. Those, that, those men are also mentioned in the beginning in Mesecha Chagiga that they argued over this issue. The Av Bet Din and the Nasi, the number one and two men for four or five generations in Klau Yisro argued, do you do smicha for the Korban Chagiga on Yom Tov or not? Does the individual put his hands on the animal or not? In fact, Chazal say this is the first machlokas that we know in Klau Yisro. The first machlokas that we know that was that wasn't decided. <laughs> there were other debates, but this was the first long-running argument that lasted four or five generations, and you had a split of opinions over this point whether uh, you do smicha or not. And Shammai and Hillel were the last ones to have this debate. They also split along on a party lines, but they split on, on their intellectual lines whether the takana made sense or not. So we say that doesn't count. Ravun is talking about where it was originally started with Shammai and Hillel. It wasn't from a debate that happened previously. Let's see the words inside. Where there aren't other rabbis before them that argue along the same lines. Okay, what about this case? We're going to have it later here in a brisa coming up. Okay, or boitzer legat. So, pitzira is something that you do for uh, all agricultural things. You have to gather them and store them, especially if you want to process them. And over here, they were gathering and processing grapes in order to process them into wine. So, the question is like this. Let's say a sheretz falls onto the grapes as they're being processed. Is it tummy? Well, it's only, it's, is it a food yet? It might be a food. You could drink it. But we know once a food is cut from the earth, it needs to become wet. Is this wet? You know what it's wet from? It's wet from its own other juices. Other grapes are being pressed here. And because of that, some of the liquid is falling out and has fallen onto this grapey or wine material. Now the sherets falls on it. Is it considered mukhshar v'kabotum or not? Has liquid fallen on it or not? So let's say this is the machlokas. By Abotzer Vagas, Shammai Omer Huchshar. Shammai says that that's considered a Heksher for Tuma. He says, look, you, you want to put them into this space. You're not so happy, of course, you'd wish it wouldn't be spilling, because all the juices that come out of the top grape, that could be wine for you. What happens is it, 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 hits, the, it hits the lower grape, and then it falls down. And then it's on, it's on the, uh, there's, there, there's dripping underneath. Obviously, in some way, I guess you'd rather it didn't fall, but you want it to be inside of this, this basket. You want it to be here, so and you know it's going to happen. So Shammai says that's considered enough of a rut zone that it's as if you want the liquid to be on there. That's Shammai. What does Hillel say? Hillel says, Hillel says, no, <laughs> you don't want that. You're unhappy about the amount that spilled. You'd be happier if none of those grapes started to, to leak. You don't want any of that leaking because that's, that's wine you could have had later down the road. So you don't like this leaking. So that liquid that's coming out, that doesn't count, according to Hillel. And therefore, the, the food is not yet mukhshat to makabotuma. As sheretz falls on it, you don't have to worry. So that's according to Hillel. So we see they argued about this case as well. So the Gemara says, Barmine, that doesn't count for Ravuna. Why? In that case, they started arguing about it, but Hillel quieted Shammai. He shut him up, so to speak. He, he, he explained himself, and Shammai says, you're right, I guess I, I don't really have a point. The, the three debates we talked about, about Chala, about the Mikvah, 
and about um, what was the other case about the uh, the the chava, the mikvah, and the third case was um, nida. Nida, thank you, right? Those cases, Shammai and Hillel stayed arguing. Whereas this case, it's true, Shammai originally said it should be Moksha, but he accepted Hillel right away, so that doesn't count. Okay, next. Um, we said earlier, when we were talking about the history of Takanot, and, and, and I'm trying to make this interesting to you, because I, I want you to understand that, that, that to learn Shas, I'm not saying Dafyomi is the best way to learn. But what you need to get out of Dafyomi is idiot everywhere. You can't become overwhelmed. And I try to put it in perspective for you. I try not to give you too much. But I try to give you enough that, that you can see how wide and incredible Shas is. And it isn't so big, however, that you can't make sense of it. But one of the things you have to appreciate is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about the history of how Halacha developed and how Halacha happens for us as well. So we had said earlier, let's take a look. We had said earlier um, that we, we mentioned a brisa, Yosi ben Yoezer ish tzreda, v'yosi ben Yochanan ish Yerushalayim, gazru tumahal eretz ha'amim, v'yau klis chuchit. So we're going to talk about three things here uh, for the rest of tonight. First, we're going to talk about when this gzera happened, and then we're going to talk about what the gzera was. I mentioned before, it has to do with the land of Chutz Laaretz that the land of Chutzlaretz creates a Tuma if it touches Truma, and we're going to, as we're seeing it, whether we burn the Truma or not, we're going to see. But uh, uh, some of Chutzlaretz, either, and we're going to see what this means, the land of Chutzlaretz. And the third thing we're going to talk about is glass. That even though glass kalim aren't mentioned in the Torah, what is that the glass kalim have a din of Tuma as well? So we start with the men themselves. So the Gemara says, it wasn't Yosi ben Yoezer and Yosi ben Yochanan. It was Rabbanon who what? Who lived before, later who made the Gzeira. In other words, there's two traditions about when that Gzeira of Eretz Ha'amim came from. We have the first tradition that it comes all the way back from Yosi, and, which is, let's say, 200 years before the Chorpen about. Not 200, but let's say about 180 years before the Chorpen. But now we have another Takana, another Brisa. Let's see it. The Yomar of Kana, When Rishmobrabiosi became ill, I talked about the other day. Sometimes when people become ill, it's a good chance to speak about Torah. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be visiting the person. So let's see what happened. They came, Rabbi Shmo was not feeling well. His father was the great Rabbi Bartachlafta. Nothing makes a Chola feel better than to ask him to say something over from his father. <laughs> Tell us over some of the good things you always say over from your father. So he said, okay, Sholachlehem. I guess they didn't come to visit. Maybe it was Corona. I don't know. They didn't come to visit him. But they sent him. Sholachlehem. My father said a very important thing to know in history. My father, Rabbi Yossi, the great student of Rabbi Akiva. What did he say? He said, Kuf Peshana Ad Habayit. 180 years before the Chorban happened, the Romans were basically running the show. Now again, the Ramban and others explain that's because we called them in. <laughs> we let them in. We wanted them in. And the Hashmanoyim wanted these Romans to decide what was going on in our internal affairs. They were getting strong anyway. Once we let them in, they basically started calling the shots on, on taxes and everything. Originally, we thought it might be a good thing to be part of the larger Roman Empire, but the, the Rabiosi called them the evil empire. They were running things in Kalyustro for 180 years before the Chorban. Peishana Adshel Chorav Abayas, 80 years before the Chorban happened, Gozru Tumal Eretz Amim. That's when Chazal decided to put Tuma on Eretz Amim, that if it would touch Truma, We'll see what would happen. Either you'd burn the trumer or something like that. And they made the gzera about glass. 40 years before the Chorban, the Sanhedrin decided that they were not going to stay in their spot anymore. The Sanhedrin had a very 
wonderful spot, a miyuchadika spot called the Lushkata Gazit. It was half in the Kodesh, half in the Chol. It was right in the Azara. The Kohanim would come all the time to ask questions. They would give the Psak about, they would make the Takanot for Al Kual Yisrael. But 40 years before the Chorban, they realized that there's a problem. And the problem was people were not listening to many of the Psokim, and there was murder that was being rampant. And the Tziv says that this murder came from Frumkite sometimes. People said, oh, you're a Tzaduki, you're a Kofer. People would be put to death. People would, people would kill people over religious feelings that were not justified. So there was a, there was, it was Sinas Chinam that was creating Shvichas Domim. <laughs> Usually Sinas Chinam always creates Shvichas Domim. But over here, it was from Sinas Chinam that was creating Shvichas Domim. It wasn't because you got drunk in a fight and you want this, this guy's wife or whatever it was, or your kosher, this guy's sleeping with your wife, so you kill him. Over here, the shot was, the Nitziv explains, it's because everybody was suspect of everybody else. And because of that, it led to a lot of murders. And it led, everybody thought they were right. So the Sanhedrin said, you know what? If, if we move away from our spot, even if we just move down the road, if we're not in this mokom, because the Pusik says you need to listen to the Sanhedrin, got the Zokan Mamre, the Mokom is Goreim. If we move away from this spot, even though we're all alive, we're the same people, it's like we pulled the plug on all the smaller Bote Dinim. We're going to see in a minute how that works. And because of that, they decided, for the sake of Kral Yisrael, they are not going, they are going to pull the plug, and there isn't going to be a possibility to uh, to do the justice case of a murder. You weren't able to prosecute someone for murder from this point on. You weren't able to bring a murder charges against someone because no one had the power. Even the lower courts, normally the Sanhedrin in in the Lushka Sagosis only worked for Zok and Mamre being 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 miyased, the most important halachos uh, to give over the Psokim on the most difficult cases. The smaller Bote Dinim of 23 could deal with murder. But they, they could only deal with murder when the Sanhedrin was sitting in Lushka Sagosis. When Sanhedrin moved out of Lushka Sagosis, they could no longer uh, do murder cases anywhere. That's what they decided to do. Which is what we're going to see in a minute. Hilchasa, knosos. About a knas, about a shor, about a shloshim shaleved. That's that's why they decided to move. So that's the reason why they moved in order not to paskin dinin nefoshos. Anyway, what do you see from this brayse besides the incredible history? You see from what Rabbi Yossi Bar said that it was eighty years before the Chorban that it happened. So the Gemara says, maybe that was 80 years. Maybe the two Yossis were 80 years. Maybe the two Yossis, they were old enough. They lived all the way down, and they were there 80 years before the Chorban. They're the ones that made the, the Xerah. The Gemara says, no, that can't be. We know that we have a, 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 a tradition. Hillel Azokain, his son Shimon, his son Gamliel, that's known Gamliel Azokain, his son of Shimon Gamliel, who died, Shimon Gamliel, who died at, at the Chorban. He was one of the Asar Ruge Malchus, Shimon Gamliel. Nogunisiyosa, Lefne Abayas, Meyashana. That was a hundred years before the Chorban. Vil Yosi ben Yoezer, Yishtrayda Yosi ben Yochanan, Havikad Metuva. Okay, we're now in Omid Beis. Ella, so it can't be that Yos, the two Yosis did it 80 years before. The two Yosis lived much earlier than that. Okay? Ella, Asu inu gozer agusha lisrof. The avira v'loklum. Asu rabbana de peishana gozer avira litlos. Okay, so let me explain what this means. There's, we talked the Xerah. The, now that we figured, okay, there was. So we said there's. It happened in two two stages. Yosis, the two Yosis were the original Takana, and then later Chachamim added to it. What was what was eventually the idea of Eretz Amim? It included two parts. 
First, it was gush. Gush was a piece of earth. A piece of earth that you stepped on or that was brought into Eretz Yisrael. A piece of earth from Eretz Amin. Now, what was the issue? The issue was not they hated Chutzlarts, although that was true too. They didn't want people going to Chutzlarts unnecessarily, but that wasn't the main reason. Maybe that was behind it in some way. But part of it was the idea that in Eretz Amim, people do not are not careful the way they bury the dead. Today, they're more careful. But in the time of Chazal, they weren't. People would just bury dead people wherever there was ground. And you never know. Now, even though most of the people in Chutzlarts were Goyim, a Goy can be Metame as well. People think Goyim are not Metame when they die. They do. The question is, is a Goy Metame Ohel or not? But if you touch a dead guy, you're tame. A coin touches a dead guy, he's tame. A guy is is is, is metame b'maga, and maybe even mamasa. There's a question whether he's metame ohel. If you're in the same room with the guy, does a guy have that type of tumah? Rav Shimon Bar Yochai and others said only a Jew has the special kedusha that once he's dead, he's metame ohel. However, uh, a guy is is tame. So what we're afraid of, if you have a gush, you're afraid you might have a piece of a goy, a piece of a dead goy. That's enough of a chash that someone brings to this. That might be, a, and you might be Tommy touching it, and if it touches truma, so because of that, the gush is what we're worried about. The gush might contain in it pieces of a dead man. That was the, that's the way it worked. So let's read the words inside. And it was such, so chamor, that even though you'd say, I don't see any dead body there, but you know what? It might be. It might be years ago. It might even be a small little etzim, whatever it is that you can't tell. And because of that, even if it touches truma, you have to burn the truma. But when it came to the avir, now what would that mean? That would mean, let's say you would travel into Chutzloritz. And even if you were in some sort of container, the truma was in a container, it was passing over the avir of Chutzloritz. We don't say that the truma would rise up. Because that would be Tumas Ohel. In order for the Tuma to rise up, the Avir, the earth, the, the air itself that's on top of the ground, that could only be Tome if the, the Truma doesn't touch the ground. But maybe you might have passed over a dead man. That they didn't make Xera. It was only because there was maybe no Tumas Ohel. There was only Tumas Nigia that's in the actual physical ground. Okay, so let's see the words again inside. But when it came to the Avir, nothing. That was the two old Yossis. And the Rabbanon, 80 years before the Horban came and said, They said, you know what? We think that we should extend the Tuma even when it comes to the Avir. That not only Tumas Nigia, but even the Avir, if somebody passes in there, even though his feet didn't touch it, but he was holding Truma, we're going to say the Truma might have been Tame. He was in a caravan. He was in a cabin. It was a, the air itself could make the Truma problematic, but not to burn it. Are you telling me that it was such a powerful gazera when the two Yossis made it about touching, that it meant went so far that you would actually burn the truma? Remember, it's a big suffix, a tremendous suffix. You don't know there was a dead man buried there, and even if there was a dead man buried there, you don't know that the piece of earth that you have, the gush upper that you have, you don't know if there's any dead bones in there, and yet you're going to, if it touches truma, you're going to burn that truma? Is, was it such a powerful gazera? Is that true? Ba'amr ilfa, ilfa taught us about these Gzerot, dealing with Truma, Ilfa, who we know was a student of, 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 of Yudha Nasi, he was the famous man who, uh, who did, went to business, and everybody thought he could have been the best Rosh Hashiva had he not gone to business. And you remember what he said, Moshe, he said that, what, I can do anything, even though I went into business, I can answer every Bryce that you ask me. He, he put himself onto a boat, remember, Ilfa put himself onto a boat into the ocean, and he tied himself up to the mast of the boat, and he said, I want every, all the rabbis to come and ask me questions. And if I cannot, if I, I cannot show from every halacha a proof from a brisa, you can throw me into the ocean. That's how confident he was. And he was an incredible genius. So we know what Ilfa said, we take 100%. So what did Ilfa say? Ilfa said, 
The only time the Chazal were so strong about their Gezer of the Rabbanan, they would burn Truma, was only the din of Yadayim. That Yadayim had a din of Tumas Yadayim to be a Shani, to make the Truma, uh, to make the Truma Tame, to make the Truma Puzzle, even to burn the Truma and not use it. That was only for Yadayim. But the other things, no. Yadayim who the Tchilas Teros and Lesrefa, Midiachrinavo. So we gotta change it. Ilfa's right, we gotta change it. What do we got to change? There's got to be two stages in the Takana. There's got to be the two old Yossis and also what they did 80 years before the Chorban after the two Yossis had already died. So what did the two old Yossis do? Let's take a look. Right? The two old Yossis, when they made the Takana on Gush, it was only to put the Truma away, to be totally it, not to use it. Also, Rabbana, which in, in, in other words, until they did a betika onto the earth and they saw were there any particles of human DNA in there, who knows? To be told it, put it away. Right? Or let's say in the case of a suffix, for example, let's say a suffix tuma, let's say we're not sure if it touched the earth or not, also to be told, but not to burn it. They did nothing about the avir, but also Rabbana de Peishana, Gozer Agusha Lisrof. But then the Rabbanon of Peishana came later, and they're the ones who said that, okay, it's not enough to be Tlio, we're going to even make it further, we're going to emph- we're going to strengthen the Takana of the old rabbis, and we're going to say you're going to have to burn Truma if it touches some of that gush. And not only that, we're adding a new thing about Avir, that if it if it travels, we're going to be worried about Tumas Ohel as well, and we're going to do Tlio, we're not going to burn it. We're going to do Tlia. So they added to the Takana. Okay, so, but we still have another tradition. Now, where's Usha? Now, Usha is what happened after the Chorban. After the Chorban, we know that they start, the Sanhedrin went to Yavne. And then they went from Yavne to other, some other places. One of the places they went was Usha. Usha, again, so this was post the Chorban. What do we know happened in Usha? The Tanan, Alvob Sveikos, Sorfinis Atruma. There are six types of cases where you're not sure what happened. You're not sure if there's Truma there. But if Truma comes into contact with that situation, you're burned Truma. If you, if you were in that situation and you come into contact with Truma, though it's a Suffolk, we're going to burn the Truma. One of them is Besapras. Besapras is there was a, a field where you know somebody was buried there, but you don't remember where. You're not sure where the place of the burial was. Every place on that field you have to suspect might be you're walking on the grave. So somebody walks in a base apras and then he touches truma. We're going to burn the truma, even though it's a suffix. And even though normally we say suffix tuma, birshusayochid, Let's say he was walking with two or three people. If he's walking with three people, it's called Rishus HaRabim as far as Tuma goes. It's not like Rishus HaRabim on Shabbos. So let's say he's walking with a whole bunch of people, and he comes back out of the Beis Apras and touches Truma. We're going to burn the Truma, even though he doesn't know it's a Suffolk. We don't know if he was dumb or not. And the Suffolk happened in a place that's technically a Rishus HaRabim with a bunch of people around. We're going to burn the Truma. Al Suffolk Ofra Bo Meretz Amim. Ofra that came from Eretz Amim. We don't know if there's a piece of a mace in there or not. Still, it said that you would burn Truma if a person touched it or it touched Truma. Al Suffolk Big Day Amoritz. We know an Amoritz is somebody who unfortunately didn't learn Torah and he probably married a woman who also doesn't learn Torah. And a woman becomes a Nida. When a woman becomes a Nida, maybe the Amoritz knows he's not going to sleep with her. But does he realize that the, the sheet that she slept on has a din of an avatuma? Does he realize that the sofa that she was sitting on has a din of an avatuma? Because it's called a, a, a mishkav a mishka of anida. A mishkav of anida is tame just like anida is. Does he know that? He doesn't know that. Or, and it could be he's got a beged that his wife sat on. So, because of that, we say all the begodim of an amoritz might be tame. And therefore, we're going to burn the truma if it touches it. Next. Uh, you find a keli somewhere. Hmm. Where, who knows what happened? This keli is in the street. 
Who knows where it was? Maybe it was in the house with a mace. It's a suffix, but you know what? It touches truma. We're going to burn the truma. And the suffix, if you find spit, here's some spit that got onto some truma. It's from a human being. It might have been from a zov. Maybe a zov was walking in the street, a zova, a nida. Her spit has a din of, of, of it's a, again, you tell me, no one's going to want to eat the truma anyway. Okay, but you can't, it, it touches one part of it, you have to burn all the truma. Even though the spit is only on the top, you don't cut the spit off. What else? The al-sofek may ragli odom, shekineged may ragli behema. Let's say you have some urine. Now, Tosus explains that with urine, the urine of a zov or of a nida is a possible is an avatuma. It's called mayono chozov, mayono cholnida. But Tosus explains here that sometimes the urine of a human being you can't tell if it's the urine of a human being or not. Their animals are usually the ones that are urinating in the street. <laughs> I know I've we've got this little dog here. Everybody who has a dog knows that, right? So urine in the street is primarily animal urine. But over here, as Tosis explains, the urine, as the word sayer, the urine was next to animal urine. The animal urine was clear to you. This didn't look like the same type of urine. It was obviously human urine. Now, what about this human urine might have somehow, the truma might have touched it, or you touched it, and then you touched truma. In that case, we're going to burn the truma. Why? Because we're choshish, that's the urine from Azov, Anida, Amitzora, or someone like that, who's Mayono Sevedin of Anavatuma, and you've made the Truma Tome. So even though it's only a suffix, we're still going to burn the Truma. So, um, let's read on. Alvadai Magon, Val Sofek Tumoson, Sarfinus a Truma. If they definitely touch the Truma, even though there's a suffix, whether they themselves were ever Tome, You'll burn the truma. Rabbi Yossi, Oymer, Rabbi Yossi says this chumra is so much that let's say you, 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 in Rosh it might have touched it. So you have almost like a double suffix, right? In other words, you don't know whether, right? In other words, it's a suffix magon Rosh Hashayochid. Sarfin. That's how much it is. No matter what the case is, these are all suffixes. So if this is Rishus Hayochid, there's enough over here to say, put it away. Rishus Harabim, even these, all these six cases are Tahar. V'yomer Ula, Elu Vav, Sveikos Bushiskinu. This idea that you burn a truma that touches the gush, that was in Usha. So now we have a third period. We start off again with Yossi a hundred something years before the Horbin. Then we have the period of, of, of 80 years before the Horbin. Now we have the period of, who knows, 50, 60, 80 years after the Horbin. What was that? So the Gemara says, Ela osi inu gozer agusha litlos The original Yossi's just said, gush, suffolk, if it touches truma. Avir, nothing. The Rabbanan of Shmonim Shona made the idea of Tliya and extended the idea to Avir. And in Usha, they finally came out, even after the Chorban of the Beis HaMikdosh, they finally came out with the idea of Lisrof, of Avir Kedekoi and the Avir was always a Tliya, Avir, because it's only an Indian of Tumas Ohel, which by Goyim might not even have Tumas Ohel, all it is is Tliya. So now we, we got the Takonas figured out. Now we're going to talk about Klis Chuchis till the end of the Daf. Um, hang on one second, please. Okay, we're almost finished with the DAF today. Here we go. Um, it's about 10, 10, right, we're going to finish the DAF. Okay, here we go. Klis Kuchis. My time a gozov with Rabbanon Tuma. In the Torah, it's not called a keli. Why did the Rabbanon say it's Tomei? Om Rabbi Yochan and Om Rish Lokish. Hoyo v'tchilas briyosin menachol, shavi Rabbanon keklicheres. The way you make glass is from sand. You make glass, you heat up sand. I don't know how to do it exactly. But you heat up sand and you're able to make glass. So it's basically from earth. So it's like an earthen, earthen uh, kalim. Now, earthen kalim, klicheres. Let's talk about what, what that means, a klicheres. A klicheres uh, is, is, gets to Mimina It has no tahara. A klicheres, you got to break to be tahar. 
And once you break it, that's it. Now, if you if you put the Kuiharas back together, the Tuma doesn't come back. The Tuma is finished. Another thing about Kuiharas is it can only have Tuma from the Avir, from the Toch. If a, if a Dover Tame touches the back of a Kuiharas, it doesn't make it Tame. You've got to be touched. And in fact, it doesn't even have to touch the, the floor of the Kuiharas. If the Sheretz is hanging in the Avir of the Kuiharas, that's enough for the Kuiharas to be Tame. And it be, not only does Kuiharas become Tame, but everything inside the Kuiharas becomes Tame as well. So if the Kuiharas has other food and a Sheretz, you, you drop a Sheretz into the Kuiharas, once it's in the Avir, the whole Avir of the Kuiharas makes everything Tame that's inside of it. That's the special din of Tumas Kuiharas. So it's only Metamet, it's not Metamet Tumas Megabav. Right. And I said before, if a Kuiharas becomes Tame, you don't take it to the Mikvah. A Mikvah doesn't help. A mikvah helps other types of kalim, but not a klicheres. Okay? So now that you know that, you're going to understand what we're going to do now. So the Gemara says, If that's true, a klicheres, a klicheres, shouldn't have the idea, once it's Tomei, taking it to the mikvah. It shouldn't help. <laughs> we have a mission that says in Kalim, this is considered a chatzitza, meaning when you put it into a mikvah and then you discover after you take it out, oh look, there was something stuck to it. We say that that's considered a chatzitza and the water, as far as we're concerned, did not penetrate completely the keli and it's still tome. What's that? If you have tar, pitch, and you have musk that is smeared on the on the klizchuchit, we say, oh, the mikvah didn't work. <laughs> Why? So Rashi explains, because other stuff you think is going to fall off, you're not makbid on. But on a klizchuchit, this stuff sticks to it, it doesn't fall off easily. Therefore, the person doesn't want it on there. You don't want the stuff on there, that's ma'akev, the tevilo from happening. Something that you don't want, it's a chatzitza, even though water technically probably does get through, but you clearly didn't want it on there, it's as if the water did not get through, and therefore it's not considered a tahara. But, but you see, you're taking, what are you taking the klishuchis to the mikvah for? If it's true, klishuchis was only a, a, a form of klicheres, you shouldn't take it to the mikvah at all. It shouldn't help taking to the mikvah. You're talking about what's a chatzitza, what's not a chatzitza. Going to the mikvah shouldn't make a difference. So let's take a look. So we're talking here about a kuicheres, a kuichuchis that got a hole in it. Okay. So it should be maybe it should have been not a kuicheres any, it should have been broken. <laughs> but then what happened? The guy ever. He put lead into it, and by using lead, he was able to somehow seal the crack. And the lead inserted itself into all the glass, and now the glass is strong. Aha! So what's now? Rav Meir said, when you look at it now, you you don't look at it glass anymore. You look at it as it's, it's lead. You poured liquid lead into it that hardened. So even though it was it was a glass that was containing it, you now you have this idea that it's actually lead. It's a lead container. <laughs> a lead container you got to take to the mikvah. If you had if, uh, beforehand, it didn't have to go to the mikvah. But now that you put the lead in it, so now it becomes like a real keli. Because Rav Meir says you don't look at what it is in terms of the composition. You don't take the majority of what it's composed of. You look at what is the thing that keeps it strong. The Dover Hamaymid. The Dover Hamaymid defines what this is. And this is essentially a lead keli now. A lead keli has to go to the mikvah. The Tanya, Klis Chukas Shenikvu, Vehitif Letochan Ever, Amr Rav Shimon the one that we just mentioned before, that was, we're talking about not that one, the one who died, we're talking here about his grandson, Rav Shimon the one who was Rabbi Yudah Hanasi's father, said the great Rav Meir was Metame, but the Chachamim are Metahar, so that's the, so El Meyata, now the Gemara asks, we'll start from tomorrow's top just a little bit. El Meyata, lo litmu migabon. If that's true, they shouldn't be tame. You're going to tell me it's like, what do you tell me? That a klis chuchis is like what? A klis chuchis is like a klicheres. So it shouldn't have tumma from the outside. It should only be tumma when you 
dangles something on the inside. Iwamatanan, kuicheres bequineser. Kuineser is a type of uh, material too. It's alum. It also comes from the ground. Tumos and shava. Those are the same. They're both considered from the ground, like clay. Mitmam, they become tame. Umitamin, and they make things tame, may avirayan. They become tame in the avir, and they make things that are in its own avir tame. Hmm. Umitmin may achorehen. Achorehen means <laughs> the, the base that they're sitting on. I don't have a cup here. I have a cup here. But imagine that this cup like, would be a fancy silver cup. If this cup would be a fancy silver cup, it would have like a base like this. So the fancy base on the inside, you could also put something in. So let's say a tumba, a sheretz, would crawl on the inside of the base. Like you could turn it around and the base would be upward like this. So imagine that was your cup. So if it has, that's called, that is called achurehet. So let's read the words inside. Umitmen may achurehen. Even the bottom, since that's considered like a container. Ve'ein mitmen migabeyen. But the backs don't become tamei at all. And shviroson mitaharoson. Once they break, they're tahar. And that they don't go to the mikvah. So what do you see there? The Mishnah said only klines shava. But it could have that would have been the right place to mention klishuches. It mentioned the type of klicheres. It mentioned another one, klineser. Why didn't it mention schuches? It must be schuches. It must be schuches is different. It sounds like schuches can be tame even if it touches the back. Why? The Mara says you're right. The difference is between alum kalim and, 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 and clay and glass is a glass kalim, if it breaks, you, as we said, you can fix it. Even without lead, you can fix it. So therefore, we gave it partially to didn't have something else. We made it like metal kalim as well. And we, therefore, it has a tuma on the, it has a tuma on the back as well. Elameyatra, if that's true, then it should have a din, yechazru, lituma, yeshona, Then it should have another chumr then. If it's, if, 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 if glass kalim have both chesronos, it's like klicheres, but in some way it's like klimatros, like metal, then the din should be when it breaks and you put it back together, it should get its old tuma back. Because we know that's the din when it comes to a klimatros. Rabbinically, we made a halacha, that if, if, if a metal keli breaks and you put it back together, you have to treat it like it's tamay, like it was beforehand. A metal keli that was tamay breaks and you didn't take it to the mikvah, you'd have to treat it like it was tamay before. So that should be the same din with something glass. Litnan, klimatkos, pshuteyen, even if it doesn't have an opening, even if it's flat, umikableyen, of course, if it has an opening, if it has a container, tameyen, nishperu, if it breaks, Taharu, it's tahar. But let's say you decide to make it a keli again, it's going to get that tuma back. Once they break, taharu. True, you can make it into a keli and it can get tuma from this point on. But it's only Mikanawahaba. Only from this point. It doesn't get the old Tuma. Mikanawahaba in. Lumafreyalo. So Mara says there's a difference. Tumas Kwishukis de Rabonon. Betume Yishona de Rabonon. Betume Daraisa Achisobe Rabonon. In other words, the whole Kwishukis, really, let me just explain. We're going to end with this. The whole Kwishukis wasn't Tame at all. We created the idea that a Kwishukis should be Tame. So therefore, the idea that a, a keli, once you put it back together, before taking it to the mikvah, goes back to the old Tumah, is also a rabbinical gezerah. The Tumah Yishana de Rabbanon is also, Tumah Yishana is a de Rabbanon. So the Tumah Daraisa, we're talking about a keli, that its original Tumah that it had before it broke was a true Tumah because it was a keli from the Torah, and it was a Tumah from the Torah. So there, Achisu Be Rabbanon, Tumah. 
the Rabbonin say the Tuma comes back. Betuma the Rabbonin, if it's a Tuma that its whole essence was a rabbinical Tuma, lo chisa Rabbonin Tuma. Somewhere says, Pshutei and Mio Litma, but let it be that it doesn't need a ca- it doesn't need an opening, it doesn't need a container. Even if it's flat, it should be tummy. We know when it comes to just a flat uh, piece of metal, it can become tummy, even though you can't put anything in it. Somewhere it says, We wanted to make a list. It's not the same. It's not exactly. So that's for it's some. So a glass has the word has. Bad has tuma on both ends. In some ways, it's like a klicheres, and it's also like a a klimatros. That's makabel tuma from the inside and from the outside. One last Rabbi, thing. One thing. I'm just going to end with this. Rabbi Ashi Yomar. Yeah, yes. Klicheres is different as chuchit. Klicheres we broke it. You can't put it together. That's right. That's what that's what we're saying today, Tzion. That's right. But a klichuchet. But schuchit, let me finish, Rabbi. Yeah. But schuchit, if schuchit is break it, you can make the schuchit as the same thing what it was before. That's because right. Schuchit, you may not pay at the schuchit. You're not building the cheres. The schuchit, the nipuach. Ali the nipuach, mekablim takos otodavar, Rabbi. Todavar. Exactly what you see. I didn't mention the nipuach. But that's exactly that's exactly what the Gemara was talking about. Because you can put it back together, it gets the chumrah of other dinim tuma as well. Even though schuchit was not mentioned in the Torah, Rav Ashi Yomar Olam Lekliheres Domi. Really, Klishuchis was was a clone of Klicheres. It's not that. Oh, why is it we make it like a Klimatros? Your question was, it should be Tomei. From where it should be tummy, the back shouldn't make it tummy. Why did we say if you touch its back, you're tummy? The reason is because you can't tell what the back is. Because when you're talking about a regular Kaylee like this, it's clear the difference between the inside looks different than the outside. So therefore, the tumor that touches the outside, if this would be, this is a klicheres, so that, oh, it didn't touch the inside. When it comes to schuchis, when it comes to glass, the, this is a dirty glass, but the outside looks, you can't tell the difference. So because glass is, 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 is transparent, that's why we made a tumor on the, on the outside as well as the inside. When it comes to klicheres, it's clear the difference between the inside and the out. So really, Ravashi says it's not that it's a monster, a, a combination of both. That a kuis chuches is a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Really, kuis chuches is be'etzem a klicheres, and it really, therefore, it has tuma. The reason why it's tummy from the outside is only because it has, uh, uh, because it, it's 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 transparent. Okay, so that's what we did over there, Rabbi. So we talked, we went through it. Tomorrow we'll start from this spot. We already did half of the Omud. Tomorrow we'll have our uh, Yerushalmi and Halacha. I hope you'll join me. Uh, the Megados. Uh, I'm gonna stop the recording here so we can talk a little bit. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.